Hello everyone listening, this is the latest episode of the What's the Script podcast. Absolutely delighted to have our latest guest today, Teeny Fung, CEO, co-founder of Hypertype. Um, today's topic is how to build a lean business using AI. Um, Teeny has uh, built uh, Hypertype from scratch over the last couple of years into a really successful AI business. Previous to that, she was working closely with the co-founders of Furhat Robotics, helping them scale, um, and is truly an industry leader in AI and, and robotics. Um, so yeah, really pleased you're on the podcast, Teeny. And firstly, how are you? Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. All right, so the we'll... Just to remind everyone, our podcast title today is How to Build a Lean Business Using AI. But before we go into the questions around that, um, let's set some to- set some context for the listener um, and how you have built Hypertype up to now. And firstly, what have the um, main challenges been sort of starting up? Sure. And uh, so Hypertype, when we first started, it was back in 2021, in July. We started in Antler. We knew each other in um, actually the cohort number five in Stockholm. So me and my co-founder just hit it off. Um, this is because we have been in sort of biz staff for a long time ourselves. And um, one of the things we see is that there's overwhelming data in your own organization and um, we're flooded with information, right? Like from storing all these information in documents and then there's like audios like this or meeting notes and there are CRM system as well as ERP system. Uh, for us today, we are communicating with customers like um, through emails, chatbots, social media, so many different channels. And then at the same time, you have tons of information lying around in your organization. So um, we see that we are spending so much time on just getting the right information um, and respond um, to our customers um, real time. So this is, um, we say like actually um, each customer support team, for example, have been spending around 30 minutes per email just to find the right information um, and then respond to the right scenario customer. So we see the hypertype today can actually cut um, to 10 minutes per email. So this is something we are really uh, passionate about, um, just to find the right information at the right time. Superb. And that leads me on to my next question. You know, have you got any early success stories that you can share? So when we first started Hypertype, of course, it's um, AI is a black box, right? So there's one thing that um, we, it's very unpredictable when we plug in, uh, before GPT came, we used something, uh, still a large language model. We also trained some model ourselves for information retrieval. And this is a very new space. There's still a huge challenge in the whole industry to really find the right information in the right scenario at the right time. Um, there's tons of unstructured data, emails, in fact, um, is the high, is the most unstructured compared to um, documents or any other type of format like Notion pages. Um, so we see that this is still something that actually we have solved even before GPT came. Uh, we're able to first, of course, uh, we need to fetch the high quality data in order to find the right information. It's not just about um, 
finding the answers using GPT, any OpenAI rapper can sort of find the answers, but probably hallucinate or getting wrong information. So something like that we learn over time is that it's all about the process that we built. So the IP is in the process, like where we have to clean the data, nothing noble about it, but we have to do it. At the same time, how do you, what data do you sync? How much do you sync? How much do the customers really need? Is it three months, six months? Every business is different. So I think one thing that we learn is that really talk to your customers, know their needs, and we don't need to use the latest technology to get the best answer. It's all about what pain point are we solving for the customers, and therefore what technology is really applicable here Superb. Well, it truly sounds like an amazing product. And um, yeah, I'm actually keenly following HyperType, as you know. Um, out, out of interest for, for my side, I know you, you mentioned uh, GPT. Um, what what really excites you about, like, for example, Grok or GPT? What's what's really exciting you in, in the industry right now? The next big thing is in RAG, Retrieval Augmented Generation. Um, so GPT is great for languages. It has a few hundred billion parameters, which is great in 95 languages. Um, but the contextual understanding of intent is still very limited. If you try, um, and, and OpenAI is trained on internet data, so there's no plug-in to your private company data. Um, and this is what we are doing uh, for companies right now, is that we're integrating um all the different tools that customer support team or any teams, they are using about 30 different tools per company. So this is where we as HyperType, we, we are automating the data flow. And back in the days, you think about Sapiers like doing workflow automation. Um, and with HyperType is that we are really focusing on automating the data flow when, for example, um, if the customer is asking about the product pricing from Sweden versus the product pricing in Norway, you should be able to get the right answer. Um, but for now, is that we see that GPT is still um, because of limitation of private company data and um, to make a, a sort of to find an accurate answer, um, we need to be very domain specific. And at the same time, of course, um, providing very high quality data sets, contextual data sets. So this is where we see like there's still a huge challenge in RAC um, and we're solving this um, big part of data conflict, which answer is the best from what source. Great. Okay. So um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for setting some context there for, for what you guys are doing at the moment. Um, so how to build a lean business using AI. Um, I've, got, I've got a couple of questions firstly before we move on to some community questions. Um, so in terms of fundamentals, what are your fundamentals in building a lean business? I think um, as we all know, AI can streamline a lot of business process. Um, so we see that back in the days, there might be a huge team to run an AI business, but today it's um, to get a very smart AI, you do need to be domain-specific and task-specific and understand the use cases and build from the use case. And to do this, we need to align the whole team from front-end, back-end, um, like ML, ML ops, like the whole team, and as well as business. 
product to actually form the whole use case and make sure that um, we are solving, we are providing highly accurate answers for the customers. Um, for AI today, um, AI do need to learn a lot of edge cases, but we see that if we're focusing and as a team, we focus together on one single thing, it's actually better than burning, um, you know, have multiple product teams and everyone else is focusing on different use case. Um, it's very hard to know what a success look like because AI is still a black box. It's unpredictable for some cases. Um, and then you have the front end to actually, for example, we build data trust in HyperType. So we make sure that you can verify your data and to see where the answers is from what source before you even send out the email. Um, and, and this is where we see like data trust is not just in AI. Data trust is not just in M ML team. Data trust is also in the front end. How do you make sure that the customers are comfortable in sharing the data? Also that they can actually have transparency on their own data. Who, where is this source from? So we see that this is the whole team collaborating and this is very agile. We move much faster together. I would say like even hundred times faster to have all the teams to work in parallel with um, a single goal. Like, so say, for example, this, the, 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 um, the cybersecurity team kept really lean, having a small team, but adding one person made it a little bit more complicated as each person knew exactly what to do. Um, I suppose what I'm asking is having a smaller engineering team in an AI environment, will that help you as well, do you think? Or what's your opinion on that? I cannot speak for like cybersecurity, but I think cybersecurity is more um, if they use AI, that's for sure that there are tons of experiments that could deliver false positive, false negative. How would you solve it with the front end? What is the recovery strategy? Um, it's all um, sort of AI related, even though you're working um, in the customer user interface. So this is where we see that um, if there are many experiments and if the team couldn't assist the AI team to actually um, resolve together and deliver a great experience for customers, customers will not even use the product. Even for product today, we don't go to other data integrations right away. That's because we need to learn, oh, hey, even though you plug in um, documents or Excel sheets today, maybe there is a little bit structuring to do with the customer. And how do we make that as smooth as possible with the customers in the front end and then so that the AI can take in the right information? And uh, we find that this is extremely efficient if the team, like let's say we only need an ML person Maybe we have two ML people to like talk about the research because R&D is very heavy, um, especially AI is still um, developing in this uh, rec industry. At the same time, we have sort of the um, engineering team where they work in parallel with the ML team to make sure that um, the customers is happy together. So it's just like one person in each department, it's um, it's actually quite efficient. And then they learn what the customers are asking, what the customers are talking about, what are their needs, 
Um, you can't just be an AI um, in your own team and uh, working in silo because there won't be any like what what actually delivers value to the customers. What what is um, yeah. um, there's so many experiments you can do, but what experiments will give you the lowest cost but the highest value? What is the lowest hanging fruit? All these are very crucial to make the AI successful for business use case. Super interesting. Yeah, and really interesting. Really, thanks for talking about your fundamentals and, and going into some detail there on, on building a lean business team. Um, in terms of a new founder in Stockholm, what advice would you give to a new founder in Stockholm in, in the AI space? Uh, I think this is, um, of course, AI is super exciting. Uh, a lot of like people are trying out AI and they've, they've found that they couldn't uh, provide business value. I think this is important, first of all, is not to just stick deep into AI, but actually understand what problems am I solving for um, the businesses or personal or anyone. Um, is this a pain that a lot of people have? What is the market size? Um, because at the end of the day, um, it's not business who have the best AI will win. It's more like people who have the best uh, product that solve um, real pain will yeah. win. So I think like sometimes um, businesses don't even need to use the best technology. For example, for information retrieval, we don't even use OpenAI for that. Um, we have like a lot of unstructured, different types of unstructured data. We use OpenAI, for example, generating text, generating a full reply. and But for information, finding information, we still use our own um, propriety te technology, technology, and that is important to know exactly like the cost as well in your company. For example, OpenAI is great; it's the best uh, performance model, but it is expensive. Um, so, if you're generating, for example, uh, if you have users um, pressing a lot of generated generations, that can cost you. Uh, that can um, actually make your company very expensive and at the same time if you have a retrieval model that store today we store like 70 million emails and 44 million words in our Victor database and uh, it can break your piggy bank mm. um, so it's more like how do you price your product and with limitation be it usage limitation or integration Unit economics is so important, and I think it's it's very important to look at these metrics now, especially when VCs are in a totally different climate. Um, all companies are talking about being profitable, um, and also how would you make money out of it. So I think this is like one piece of big puzzles that a lot of AI companies need to figure out. Superb. And in terms of future in innovation, I know we mentioned Rack before, but what what is really exciting you right now? Uh, yeah. So I think what is exciting is, of course, like I think for us is uh, we're working in, um, for, for me, I, I think it's like one of the most exciting things um, in Rack. That's because it's once you get the uh, data, which in hypertype, there are like we started with emails. That's because there are tons of data, like 305 billion emails sent and received every single day in the world. That's a lot of emails and data. And we also start with Gmail because you know it is one of the largest 
email clients in the world. And we see that once we get the data in, then we can learn from a lot of edge cases. And at the same time, then once we learn an edge case, that means that if we focus on customer support one domain, we can actually get the accuracy extremely high for fetching the right information. And this, is, this comes to the next step, which is after having the right information, what does the AI do? Well, reason. So that's the next big thing I really believe that is that AI can reason on um, what information is the best route for making this decision for the whole team. And also how do you make decision in the, um, for the customers even um, uh, and assist human on um, improving their decision making in different scenarios. So I think this is like, Something that I think in the whole industry is still not yet solved. You know, AI is still like um, on hybrid. You see a lot of chatbots are still in sort of hybrid mode, like rule-based, and at the same time just generating a nicer reply, but it's nothing like thinking on their own or it's, it's still a logic-based. For yeah. us, we're already like in the next phase, which is whatever new question you're asking, we can answer it from any sources you have. And then once we have that, we can really do decision making for AI itself. Yeah. Did you see the uh, DPD delivery chatbot in in the Netherlands? Did you see what happened with that? It was like um, it was like a customer talking to the chatbot, and he just hacked it. He said some it it wasn't like moderated, and he he was complaining, and the chatbot said something like. Um, can, can you sing? Can you write me a song of how poor your delivery service is? Service? <laughs> and he written like you know, a, a full song of how poor DPD is. <laughs> so they had to take it off. So, uh, like I said, it's still in a, in early infancy. Some in some ways, um, <laughs> it's great marketing. That's that's for sure. Um, obviously, going back to the future innovation, we've talked about what's really exciting. What is scary in the industry or what is really challenging right now? I think in the industry, I mean, everyone talks about two things. Like one thing is like data, like security. A lot of enterprise, of course, they want to have the tightest security. Um, But at the same time, without data, um, the AI will never get smart enough for your company. And without opening to more data from other companies, then it's very hard to um, have the AI to understand all the edge cases in the world. But then it's sort of of in a way that we are um, dealing with security in another level is that we we try not to go into enterprise right away. We see that small, medium-sized companies are AI adopters. And I think it's so important to have an open mind that AI companies are not um, using your data to um, do bad things. It's it's sort of in a way that what we do is we don't share any data uh, from one company to another. And also that we really see that security for us is like we, we take it very seriously on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we what we do is we also do all the security, like make sure that um, your data is not even shared with another department or just it's just your own emails. Or um, for us is that we don't learn, we don't train on your own data, like unless you you let us know that you want to, it, which can increase the accuracy. 
Uh, but I think this is going to be solved with, of course, like more infrastructure, more private, like maybe deploying in private cloud, and also, of course, getting this, all the certificates in place. I think that's like something that we can solve in the industry. And AI is uh, regulation is coming; it's it's lagging for sure. But I think this is um, for us. In we are born in Europe, so for us, this is um, like it's like Chinese eat rice. Like every day, so <laughs> so we were born with GDPR <laughs> component yeah. on this one. <laughs> yeah, accept all cookies. Just click. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one cares. <laughs> but, uh, but, but seriously, um, you know, leading on from your security point, um, like how how important is ethics, and how do you keep AI under control? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is how would we include human feedback loop in producing a ethical AI because um, AI is just driving on its own. Like it can just like say whatever, just like what you mentioned just now, the delivery example, just rap a song about and, and damage the reputation of a company. So it can happen. Um, I think what we need to do is first, um, the data that is feeding into AI, what kind of data? So is this something that is from, we talked about Elon Musk was tra training on Twitter data and uh, Twitter is full of noise. A lot of people could be cursing, could be having a lot of different um, words that are not suitable for the AI um, uh, to produce a good results. So for us, it's like, of course, like we're only getting company data. So this is something that we know, like for sure, it's just customer question and retrieving the right answers from your company products or services. Um, and at the same time, is that when humans are uh, sort of in the human feedback loop, uh, what, what sort of feedback with human be typing on? Like, for example, in the emails, you can still type something else that can be bad. Um, so we learn, we have to learn over time, how do we distinguish that type of information? Um, at the same time, how would that retrieval be able to, um, remove or maybe ignore those information or only focus on retrieving company information just yeah. for the benefit of your, yeah, of your, of your company. But of course, this is like still a huge um, an explore industry that we have to solve uh, as we go. Yeah, I remember you saying on one of our first calls, like a, an engineer with no experience or a, you know a student can be more positive than someone with seven years experience because, like you said, the industry is so young and so quickly growing. It's you can't you can't predict it, and it's like it's like what you just said there. It's the, 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 the how quickly it's growing and how vast it can be is, is quite amazing actually yeah ai is not that smart so mm. whatever human is asking for you can ask inappropriate things and it will give you the inappropriate stuff so it's more like what would human put into the model or what what data are we feeding it to uh, make sure that it's ethical enough yeah yeah all right so we've got a couple of community questions the first one from frederick stockman co-founder of version lens um he, he's asked how do you keep all 
up to date with all the new AI tools, uh, given what you've used, learned, um, and considering today might be considered outdated next month? Yeah, I mean, um, I think this is a really good question. Um, I think that for 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 me, I I just look into Google News um, because you can Google about the area that you're interested in. In for example, natural language processing, and then you get like latest um, search from that. And the other thing is, I really look into. I think newsletters right now, AI newsletter is everywhere. So I only try to find the ones that have the largest community and um, with the most subscribers. And also, of course, like people who have mentioned, like, this is a great newsletter, like you have to read it. Um, And uh, reading all the big giants, I think like big giants is, of course, like also moving the industry really fast. Um, So we need to like be updated into big giants. And at the same time, I think I also look into startup like Crunchbase, for example, like what kind of startups are coming um, be on top on. Yeah, I think I also get a lot from LinkedIn because LinkedIn is uh, almost like instant real time. Uh, yeah. All right. Perfect. And the last question we've got today for the podcast is from Christopher Nolgren. He actually featured on one of the first podcasts, he's head of product at Slape AI, another amazing AI company. Um, so he says, as a turner needed to know to, to know his clay, um, developing, developing AI re- requires deep knowledge of the material you are working with um, for its possibilities and limitations. Um, how do you ensure that knowledge is represented in a good way when you are creating solutions for your customers? This is absolutely the most important thing in our company. Um, I think it's recognizing back again, like the pain point. Um, We have a framework that we follow ourselves. First of all is what is the pain point that we're solving that is also scalable in many other companies. The other thing is what are these companies using today? Are they using any solutions that can be replaced by AI? Like maybe it's just a front end full stack kind of development and, you know, that's solved the problem. Um, what is the quickest way to solve it? How are they solving it today? Are, are they finding any solutions to solve it? Um, are they finding tools like us, like to solve the problem? And then we kind of did like um, sort of business framework is if we have no other so if they're if they're finding solution to solve the problem and there's no current tools to solve it then we see like oh hypertype can actually fit fit in but at the same time um what sort of would it would it save time for them how big is their team we actually have a calculator in our on our website where we calculate like how much time are you spending um per email as well as how many people are in your team and how many emails you're sending per person and calculate it. Like if you have 20, 20 emails per day and you have five team members sending emails and um, with Hypertype, you save 10 minutes per day, uh, 10 minutes per email, you can save $100,000 per year. So that sort of like framework is like, can you make the customer feel like they're saving a lot of time and which is true today with AI, you can save a lot of time and also money. And so like 
would would the cost for implementation super high or what is the cost of impl implementation? Do you have the product already that um, you can do lowest hanging fruit and st still deliver high value when you started with um, uh, piloting with this company? For us, it's like we have a product that is already mature, uh, that is already launched. And that's like anyone can plug in. Um, so anyone with emails issue. And then we also run pilots with companies that need other data integrations like Sendesk. Today we're only in Gmail, but we also have integration with like files, notions and uh, Calendly and, and so forth. But we don't have Sendesk and we don't have, for example, Intercom. But there are many companies looking for it. Um, and there's no tool in the market that can um, fetch the data for them into these interfaces from everywhere. So then this is where we see like, um, how do we, how do we um, possibly know that, um, is this something that is scalable? This is, uh, is this something that everyone is asking for? Um, is there any limitation into the data that we're gonna feed in new data? Um, how much would it cost? And uh, so this is all like, really important to, to know how successful this project can be. Superb. Hopefully the answer's really insightful for you, Christopher. Uh, have you got any final question, uh, any any final comments, Tini? Anything, anything else you wanted to make, any point you wanted to make? We've, we've had 35 minutes full of a lot of insightful information and, and comments there. Much appreciated, Tini. Um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, wish you guys all the best with HyperType. Maybe, maybe if you can... Uh, like. Okay, so yeah, really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Tini. Thank you very much for appearing. Hope to see you again soon. And yeah, truly all the best um, for, for HyperType and the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me and uh, really exciting about what's next. Absolutely. Speak soon. Cheers. Speak soon. Bye.